0: My guest today is Tom Gillespie, President and CEO of Living Well Disability Services. Tom is a leader in providing exceptional services for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities or as he calls those he serves. He has more than 15 years of senior management experience working across the spectrum of roles in the disability services industry including executive leadership, operations management and group home management. Prior to his service at Living Well, includes more than a decade of strategic leadership at Minnesota Disability Service Providers, including his time as Executive Director of the Duluth Regional Care Center, and prior to that, Tom was Chief Program Officer of Hammer Residencies in Wyzata. They provide services for more than 1,900 people impacted by disabilities. Tom is married to his high school sweetheart, Susie, and they have a five-year-old son, Henry, and he received his undergraduate degree in psychology from the University of Minnesota, Duluth, and an MBA from Concordia University in St. Paul. Tom Gillespie, welcome into the corner office.
1: Thanks so much, Brian. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here.
0: And it's a it's a beautiful uh, late February day in San Diego, and I won't tell you what the temperature is, but I know you're in Minnesota, so <laughs> t- tell us how things are there today. Are you experiencing the the uh, the throes of winter at the moment, or are you having a little bit of a recurring?
1: Well, it's, uh, it's a sunny day here, and, and in February, nice. that means that, uh, that, that uh, if it's sunny, it's cold. So I've, uh, I've shoveled twice <laughs> in the last 24 hours. We'll leave it at that.
0: Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, hopefully when people hear this, the thaw will be coming in Minnesota as well, and uh, just so good to have you on the show. We always like to start in the beginning, Tom, and that's uh, understanding a little bit about your early years. Tell us about where you grew up and what your early family life was like.
1: Yeah, thanks, Brent. So, uh, so I, I grew up in uh, in the Minneapolis uh, metro area. So, just outside in a suburb called St. Louis Park. Um, I was actually born in El Paso, Texas. My dad was in the military, oh. but uh, but we, we moved to the Minneapolis area uh, where he found work and kind of grew up there. Really spent uh, all of my childhood there, and uh, you know, kind of got in with a, a group of friends and met my my now wife uh, while going to school there. So it's uh, it's really kind of the the home base for me and my family for sure. Been apart for a while, yeah. Brothers and sisters. I have uh, an older sister, she's 3 years older, so we kind of grew yeah. up together and then we have a, a brother that's 13 years younger than me. So, uh, oh, wow. so he okay. he kind of had the best of both worlds where he got to be Big the baby gap, of the, the family and, and uh, <laughs> kind of an only child at, uh, at times too while we were away at college. So
0: Yeah, yeah, I kind of know that feeling. My older brothers are 7 and 10 years older than me. So, I think by the time I was 10, they were both out of the house, but it has its advantages and disadvantages. For sure. What about mom and dad? What did they do?
1: So uh, so my dad has always been in sales, uh, kind of postage, uh-huh. uh, postage sales, so worked for a company called Pitney Bowes uh, for, oh, for yeah, a lot sure. of my childhood and right. uh, has, has actually just uh, just retired recently from UPS uh, where he was a salesman oh, right. for, uh, for the last number of years. And, and my mom has always worked in, uh, in the school system, so she was a That's special cool. ed para for the majority of, of my childhood growing up. Nice, nice. Any
0: uh, childhood lessons you remember from them? Things that uh, you know recall growing up that uh, kind of were formative in terms of some of the decisions you made or or maybe didn't make, <laughs> as the case may be, growing up.
1: Yeah, you know, we we uh, we had a, a really typical childhood. Uh, you know, it uh, it was it was the four of us, like I said, for for the majority of it. So, mm. you know, it, it was uh, it was always about uh, taking care of others. My my mom was a, a mm. big volunteer, so in addition to to being a special ed pair I think she said yes every time uh, you know there, there was something that needed volunteering so she was great about yeah. that and, and uh, you know yeah it, it was uh, it was a lot of a lot of sports a lot of activities a uh, little bit of church mixed in there and uh, mm-hmm. you know yeah it, uh, it was a, a lot of fun but uh, yeah a lot of together time and, and a lot of uh, outreach and, and taking care of others
0: Sounds like some good modeling from mom that might have influenced your career down the road no question. <laughs> well, we'll talk more about that later. What about other influencers? You know, were there grandparents nearby or any, you know, special teachers or coaches that had an impact on you earlier? Yeah,
1: you know, like I said, sports was uh, was really big. So, you know, I, I would say in, in general, sports just brought so many great people uh, into our lives. My, my what dad you coached what, what to, were your favorite sports? Yeah. Yeah, so baseball was uh, was probably uh, you know first and foremost. It's tough to be a Minnesota sports fan really for the last uh, yeah. forever. But uh, as I was growing up in nineteen eighty seven and nineteen ninety one, the Twins won World Series, so uh, so that, that's that was right. that's right a, a big time. And uh, then played football, played hockey. Those were the the primary sports of my life. Vikings had some good years during those years as well, didn't they? Yeah, but always ending in heartbreak. Uh, you know, that, the, field the you know, just the heartbreak. So uh yeah. A it's, fun it's team always, to watch, right. Always a fun you, team uh, to watch. Until you get to the playoffs or until there's there's a a pressure play, they break your heart. But that's how it
0: goes. Were you a good student in school?
1: You know, as I've listened to your podcast, I hear just about everybody say yes. Uh unfortunately <laughs> for me, I uh I wasn't uh, academically the best student, but I, I did. Right. I loved school uh, because it, it was uh, it was a social connection yeah. point. So it's it's where I came to see my friends. It's where, uh, like I said, I got to play the the sports that I, I wanted. So I I excelled in in everything at school except probably the the books. But uh, but but Cs get degrees as they say, and uh, and so I, I made it through and. <laughs> and I was able to, to make it into a community college first and then, uh, the, then onto the U of M.
0: When did you start kind of first volunteering and you know, kind of finding your heart and passion for serving others?
1: You know, it, it really was uh, as I was in college. So, so I was at the University of Minnesota at their Duluth campus, which is in Northern okay. Minnesota. And um, I needed a summer job at, uh, at one yeah. point. And uh, like I said, my mom was a special ed parent. She had a friend who worked for a company uh, that, uh, that, that, ran group homes. And, uh, she said, yeah. you know, they're, they're hiring once you check it out. And I, I, did. And, um, you know, really it, it was supposed to be a summer job. I, I had every intention of going back to work at the super America overnights in, in, uh, in Duluth <laughs> at, at college. But, uh, you know, I, I, just fell in love with the work and, uh, and that's, yeah. that's really when I, I kind of just grew a passion for, for serving others and, and taking care of folks that, uh, you know, they, they, they have the, the same, desires, needs, wants, as, as you and I do, but, uh, but need a little help to get those things done.
0: What did you like best about it when you first kind of, you know, had that first job and experienced it?
1: You know, it's it's the people. It's always been the people for me. Uh, the, the people that we get to serve, the people that we get to work with, um, you know, or the, the work that we do, uh, you know, serving others it it attracts just the very best people, and uh, so the the families that we get to work with, the the people that we have the honor of serving, and, and our coworkers are are always just uh, just the best. Yeah, awesome.
0: Now you went on to the University of Minnesota, and, and then and then after that, obviously your master's degree, you studied psychology. So was that kind of a an influencing factor as well? Did you choose that field to study because you knew you wanted to get into that, or you know, what were your choices or how did you make that choice around that undergraduate degree?
1: Yeah. So, so as an undergrad uh, for, for psych, you know, it, it really came down to uh, do I want to do psych or, or business. And uh, right. as I mentioned, I, I wasn't always the, uh, the, the, best student in high school, so I didn't have a ton of confidence at the time. So I said, uh, well, let's, let's uh, give psychology a try. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I really, I, I fell in love with it I, again, kind of the study of people, uh, getting getting insights into to why we are the way we are and, and the, the way that we act and, and things like that. so so that that really was fun and, and it uh, it lined up um, you know it, it has certainly served me well uh, throughout the years just having a, an understanding and, and uh, compassion for others and uh, yeah. I, I and think what was that really first helpful. time job after you after you graduated? So my, my first real job was, uh, was really that, uh, that, that group home job that I started in, in the, the summer before my senior year. Uh, I, I worked uh, there, like I said, it, it was supposed to kind of last through the summer and ended up lasting uh, really a, until today. So I, I uh, worked That's weekends awesome. while going to, to college. So I, I stayed beyond the summer and, and drove back and forth between Duluth and Minneapolis to, uh, to keep the job and, and still finish classes. And when I graduated, I, uh, I, I got a management position, um, you know, got an assistant manager and then a, a manager and just kind of kept climbing up over the last 20 years. And, and uh, you know, here I am still in the field.
0: And that was Hammer Residences, right? That was your first employer.
1: Yeah, that that uh, that was the, the first job and, and stayed there about 15 years and uh, yeah. just absolutely loved it. Again, just amazing people and a fantastic organization. I, I still uh, still am very close with many people from there and, and collaborate with their CEO uh, re- regularly awesome
0: awesome and you got your mba along the way um tell us a little bit about your decisions i think it was about four or five years of experience before you went back is that correct
1: yeah that's that's about correct and, and uh you know it was really about the fact that uh, as I'd, I'd been working in the group homes and, and kind of climbing into various management positions and, uh, and and ultimately overseeing um you know 10 uh 10 plus uh, locations it, it really became more about uh, managing people, managing budgets, uh, managing strategy, uh, th- things like that, and, and less about the, the day-to-day doing the work. And so that, that really drove the decision to, uh, to go get an MBA and uh, really get into, uh, you know, really a lot of the stuff that I missed out on by, uh, by studying psychology the first time around.
0: You know, a lot of people, and, and I'm sure many of our, our listeners would say this, that, you know, MBA, a master's degree, whatever it might be, is, is kind of kind of a pivot sometimes, right? Where people go and, you know, they can say, oh, I'm really not so sure of my career, but, you know, I want to get some extra skills and maybe I'll go in another direction. Did you have those thoughts at all or, or were you kind of focused on, hey, I really just need to step up my business game so I can do better, you know, in the, in the choosing profession that you were in?
1: Yeah, so for for me it was definitely the the latter i, I really I, I wanted to kind of further the the direction that, that i was going in uh, already so I, I actually as i went back to school uh hammer residences was uh, kind enough to, uh, to to grant me a, a scholarship to go back and, and get that oh, mba so it was always about awesome. uh kind of furthering that that organization furthering our field in general uh you know i, I think our our field unfortunately has a lot of great people come into it. And, uh, and then ultimately the, those folks uh, kind of pass through and, and into something else. So uh, mm-hmm. so for me, it was always about staying, uh, making sure that uh, you know, our, our industry and, and my, myself and my, my contributions were uh, you know, expanding and, and kind of, uh, I guess, further solidifying a, a business approach to an, an otherwise kind of people-driven business.
0: Right, right. Tell us about some of those early challenges that you had, particularly as you went kind of into leadership. Responsibility. I'm sure you probably took over management of folks that might have been there for maybe years or months before you, and maybe you know had some years of seniority as well. Were some were some challenges there?
1: Yeah. Well, you know that that's kind of been a theme. I, I don't know if I'd, I'd say challenges, although there there have been some. Um, you know, I, I definitely it's been a theme for me as kind of being the the new the new kid, the the young guy in the room, whatever yeah. it is. And so, um, you know, as a as a new manager coming in. Uh, you know, I, I understood leadership and, and management at the time to be, uh, the, you know, the, the, smartest person in the room, you had to have all the answers and, and be the solution to every problem. And, uh, you know, that's, that's obviously, you know, sets you up to, to, to fail, uh, pretty quickly. Obviously you, you can't solve every problem. Uh <laughs> and, and if but you, you try hard to, right. <laughs> you, know, you, you try, and, and unfortunately what, what I learned is, um, you know, if, if you come close and, and you you become the solution uh, to every problem that that becomes a pretty major problem itself, right? It, it, it takes away the skills of others. It, it takes away, right. uh, you know, the, the confidence of others. And instead your phone just rings off the hook. So, so really, you know, you, you burn yourself out and, and you, you take the, the ball out of other people's hands and, and that's not right. leadership. Right, right.
0: Is there kind of a common thread or, you know, a common um, uh, motivation, for, for a lot of people that, that join, you know, this area of work that you're in. And and if so, what, what does that is? Tell us a little bit about that. You know, what are the kind of, uh, you know, the the qualifications, you know, kind of, well, the resume stuff is is as important perhaps, but, you know, what does it take from the heart to really do good work in this field?
1: Well, you know, I, I think we, we often say that, uh, if people have a, a heart for this work, um, We'll we'll teach them the rest you know i yeah. when i started in the field i didn't know how to cook i didn't know how to clean i couldn't pass a medication uh i was an objectively terrible hire brand but if you have a heart for for the work you, you can always learn it because it's it's really i mean the the crux of of everything that we do is is a relationship if you have a relationship you can uh, you can learn how to uh, how to serve others. If you have a, a passion for for helping people uh, be the best version of themselves, you can learn how to cook. You can learn how to fold clothes. You, you can learn how to pass a medication. And and the fact is, if, if you have that strong relationship, you're likely going to do it a heck of a lot better. So when we're looking for staff, we're looking for people who. Uh, want to care for others, maybe have, uh, you know, some uh, family connection to the, the type of services that we do or, or you know, so, some reason for serving others. We have a lot of folks who are looking to be nurses or work in the, the healthcare field that come to us. Um, yeah. And then we have just a lot of great people who just want to help others. And, uh, and that's, again, that's the magic of what we do.
0: Now, the people that your residents that are there, do you call them residents or do you have another name that you refer? to? Uh, you know,
1: we, we usually, you know, if best case scenario, we, we call them Joe or Johnny or, or whatever their name is. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we would say the, the people that we serve, uh, you know, we people try not serve. to have it be yeah. clinical. We try not to, right. to say right. patients or whatever. But uh, But yeah. Now, are they there full time?
0: Uh, You know, in other words, this is kind of be their life uh, when they check in, or is it also folks that you kind of prepare for the outside world that then go out on their own? Combination of that, give us a little bit of a flavor for what Hammer and and, and other you know folks, and we'll talk about your current position in a moment. But I know you spent so much time at Hammer. I'd love to hear a little bit more about you know just exactly how you encountered that, and and you know what um, you know what the, the the folks that you serve there. Uh, you know, we're doing in, 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 you know, how you help them along.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I think if, if our system uh, is, is working the way that it should, we should be doing all the things that you just listed and, and then some, uh, you know, our, our, our system really uh, w- when operating correctly should be a, a spectrum of supports from, from, you know, yeah. one end where, where somebody maybe needs a, a little help getting to and from work or to and from the doctor, you know, we, we might provide a bit of transportation ex- support on yeah. on the you know far other end of the spectrum uh and and this is where living well uh really really excels is uh serving folks who are are aging or or you know rather medically fragile or, or needing a lot of medical supports and so you know we're we're doing things like uh you know helping folks uh manage you know feeding tubes and and uh you know assistance with breathing and and uh, yeah. you know ventilator support that suctioning things like that so uh so really you know again it's it's a spectrum of support um so for for most of our folks uh, outside of covid times uh right. we we would have folks uh, who are home you know probably 16 uh or so hours a day and then they would go out to to work during the day whether that's uh, an actual job uh some uh of our folks go to um you know, kind of a, a day training or, or, you know, day, uh, services, uh, location. So some of those folks, um, that's, that's more recreational than it is, uh, job focused and, and others it's, uh, it's actually doing, uh, you know, jobs in, uh, in a work facility. So everybody's a little bit different, but, uh, but, yeah. but normal times people would be with us about 16 hours of the day, of course, with COVID, um, you know, we're, we're one of the, the services that, uh, it's really been kind of locked down, if, if you will, and, yeah. and continue to, to be uh, pretty locked down to this day. So so our, our folks are really with us 24-7 right now. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's our, our job to uh, both keep them safe, uh, keep them well cared for, but also keep people entertained because uh, they, they don't have that, that job to go to during the day. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and so are all the folks that you serve are in specific residences that... You folks manage, or do you also go and serve them in their homes and in other locations?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, so, so Living Well uh, provides both of, of those types of services. So, okay. we we have yeah. thirty-seven group homes uh, in the, the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro area. Wow. Uh, and, uh, we, we have, uh, typically four to, to six people living in, in each home. And then we also do send, uh, some of our staff out to, uh, maybe a, a family's home or some of our folks, uh, have their own homes and, and just need a, a little bit of help, uh, a couple of days a week, that, that sort of right. thing. So, uh, so we, we play, you know, obviously a smaller role in, in those folks' lives, but, uh, but, you know, equally important.
0: Are there folks that, that you serve that kind of graduate from the residences to go back out on their home, but you stay in touch with them and, and help them as they continue to grow and, and need additional services? Is it is it that type of a relationship as well?
1: Yeah, certainly for, for folks on, on that uh, kind of uh, less intense end of the, the spectrum, uh, a lot of those folks, uh, you know, think of... Uh, High school students who are, are coming out of uh, out of a special ed system and, and right. uh, have never lived on their own. You know, we would right. be building skills, helping people uh, kind of experience what it is to uh, to live on your own, making sure that people know how to cook, how to uh, you know, take care of themselves, um, you know, ride the bus, things like that. So we're, we're building those skills in, in hopes of then. Uh, them moving to a, a more independent type of a setting and and then you know as uh, as, as folks age uh certainly we, we go the other way too where, where people have maybe lived on their own or lived with family the the majority of uh, of their life but as uh, either their needs change or, or their their family's capabilities change uh, they need a more sustainable solution and so you know those, those folks we tend to serve a bit later in life um, but they, uh, they they move into uh, our group homes and, and we're uh, you know, thrilled to be able to, to serve them yeah. for, uh, for that part of their life. Awesome. Awesome. What, what are some of the leadership
0: challenges that you've faced, Tom, over that period of time? And, and, you know, I'm specifically thinking about the folks that, you know, have the direct contact as you did, you know, early in the career, because mm-hmm. I know you've progressed through a variety of different things. And, and, and how do you address those? Because I can imagine there's physical challenge, probably emotional challenges from some of the employees that, that you lead. And um, you know how, how do those things get addressed? What are those, I guess, and, and how do those things get addressed?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think uh, I think the biggest challenge that, that we face as an industry, uh, and, and this has uh, been disproportionately hard in the, the last couple of years, but uh, but it's making sure that our, our staff are, are making a livable wage. Now, for mm. for us uh, in, in our industry we do not have the ability, uh, to set our prices. So, so we do not say, uh, you know, this is what, uh, this is what our going rate is. And, and, uh, you know, the, the government chooses to pay that they, they basically assign uh, a rate per hour of of service or per unit of service. And so we, we take that price. Uh, so we're, we're price takers, uh, really across the board. Um, and, and we have to make it work. So, uh, you know, obviously fixed reimbursement, uh, from the government means, uh, not quite a fixed uh, wage for our staff, but, but certainly it, it's a compressed range where, where we do not have the ability to, uh, say, raise prices and, and raise wages. So, uh, so so that's probably the biggest uh, difficulty uh, for, for leadership is making sure that we're doing everything that we possibly can mm-hmm. for our employees. Uh, at Living while well, we're, we're very proud to, to say that uh, we care for our staff as well as we care for the folks that we serve. Uh, yeah. But obviously that that's made uh, made difficult right now. And, and uh, there's there's tough choices. So, you know, we want to make sure that our staff understand that we're a partner, uh, right. legislative advocacy and, and uh, things like that are are things that we take up as, as an organization so that we can uh, hopefully drive up that that reimbursement. And, and as a nonprofit, we're not trying to to increase revenue, to increase profit. We're trying right. to increase right. revenue so that we can pass that on to our staff.
0: And, and and serve more, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and is there supplemental fundraising that you need to do or can do beyond the government subsidies? There is.
1: So as a nonprofit, that's uh, that's probably our, our biggest uh, differentiator, and and uh, yeah. you know something that, uh, that that we need to do, especially these days, more of and, and better with. But uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah as, as an organization, Living Well brings in about uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand a year in fundraise dollars, and. And really, we we say that, that that's what helps us be exceptional. That's what what takes our services beyond the basics, and uh, and, and really helps us uh, make sure that people are are engaged in their community. They're living uh, what what they uh, define to be a meaningful life, not what you or I would say is a meaningful right. life for them, but a, a life of their choice. And, and that's what we should all aspire to. Yeah,
0: and a lot of growth. Uh, I know that you've been what about uh, is it about a year and a half, two years now, and uh, or just a
1: little over a year. Yeah, profit. just over yeah, a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you
0: know,
1: yeah. Go ahead, sir. oh, just in in terms of uh, in terms of growth, you know, for for us, yeah. it's uh, it, it's a time, especially with COVID, and, and like we talked about with the staff, where where we we don't have the ball, we're not playing offense right now. So we we've yeah. uh, we've opened uh, one one new location uh, in the last year. We're we're very proud to have done that. To be honest, sure. a lot of our Talks peers right now COVID are, are actually. Changed. Yeah. yeah, it it was, uh, it was impressive. And, and really, uh, in the context of many of our peer organizations closing uh, homes right now, Minnesota is experiencing actually mm-hmm. a, a kind of a, a step back due, due to the funding and staffing challenges right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, pr- more providers are closing homes than, than opening them. So, uh, so, w- so we were thrilled to be able to do that. And and, I, you know, I think the other the big uh, big growth area for us is, is really that fundraising and, and trying to uh, kind of do, do more on top of uh, what, what the reimbursement from the government is.
0: Right, right. And has that been successful during this uh, last phase of the pandemic? Are you finding that there's, you know, a bigger response in the community, particularly given some of the challenges that you're facing given the pandemic?
1: You know, it it has been, especially in the last six months. Um, you know, in in the past decade or so, we've had to make a case for how impactful our services are and, and how important they are. And you know, if there's if there's a silver lining to COVID, it, it's certainly that people understand how important healthcare and long term care are. We we've sort of been pulled to the front to, to show that you know we we don't get to to close uh, close up shop where our our DSPs do do not get to work from home. We're we're a twenty four seven. 365, uh, need people, uh, kind of an, kind of an industry. And, uh, and so this, this pandemic has, has really helped us, um, kind of shed that, shed light on that for, for the rest of society, I think. Yeah. Yeah. How do
0: you do your recruiting and you know, how do you find the people that you want to invest in and hire, you know, for the, yeah, for the operations?
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm just about ready to go start knocking on people's doors, but uh, but but we uh, <laughs> you know, we do uh, right right now like everybody. I mean, we we use a lot of the uh, the online uh, services, Indeed, and and uh, yeah. th- those types of folks. We we also uh, do direct mailing to uh, to folks who might be in nursing school, things like that. Um, virtual. Um, job fairs and, and you know any way that we can get in front of in front of people we actually had a an in-person job fair the other day which is nice to see those things coming back right. um but you know the the biggest source for us is, is our own employees uh, yeah, referral sure. based and uh, you know that that tends to be our our best source and, and uh, probably the best source of, of people that stay
0: like-minded finding like-minded folks exactly you know in my own observations of, of the industry there there tends to be a, a fairly high immigrant component um, mm-hmm. with a lot of that staffing are you experiencing that as well where you know you'll get a lot of uh, you know either first or second generation folks that'll come in or or not so much the case where you live
1: yeah, no, that's that's definitely been the case for for us, uh, bo- both at Hammer and, and at Living Well. Uh, when, when I was in uh, Duluth at uh, DRCC, we saw less of that, but that that was more of a, a, a kind of demographic difference in in uh, northern Minnesota versus uh, the the more metro area. But yeah, for us at Living Well, uh, we uh, we have a, a very strong uh, immigrant uh, workforce, and uh, you know that, the majority actually of, uh, of of our employees over. Uh, 55% are uh, people of color. Many, many of those folks yeah. are, uh, are are immigrants and uh, do wow. do fantastic work. Uh, they they really do the the caring and, and compassion that, that we see from those folks is uh, it's just incredible. Yeah,
0: and how do you find that kind of the cultural um, integration with that? Are there challenges with that, or or do they have certain skill sets that maybe even you know, um, prepare them better for that. I I lived in Asia for many years, Tom, and and you know, one of the things that so impressed me was the multi-generational living. And, you know, you would find 70, 80% of households would have, you know, grandmother or grandfather around and, you know, the kids there. And, you know, they've been living together for, you know, generations, right? Where you would have typically that type of support. And, you know, it just seems to breed uh, kind of more of a caring uh, for elders, particularly for those that are younger, and as well as, you know, the expectation that that's what's, uh, you know, uh, uh, you're, you're to do <laughs> as you get older. And then yep. you kind of have the expectation that you're going to be cared for too by, by the youngers. Does that play at all a, a fact in, in some of the recruiting you do and some of the folks that you might identify?
1: you know I, I think it it absolutely speaks to uh to to our staff and and why uh you know many of these folks are are drawn to to our work i, I think you're right you know caretaking is is more uh just part of uh, part of the everyday and and part of the the culture for for a lot of uh, a lot of other uh, you know places in the world and and so that's uh that's definitely a part of it and and again we we see uh you know tremendous work and, and when when you ask about challenges i i would say that those challenges are are ours to make sure that we're adapting our, our orientation, our, our communication, the, the way that we uh, you know, interact with folks, we, we need to adapt to that. And uh, so I, I wouldn't call that a challenge. I, I would say that that's, uh, that that's part of us being an effective organization is making sure that, that we're doing that in a way uh, that, that is uh, as effective, if not more so for, for that population than it, than it is for somebody who you know, was born down the street. Yeah. Awesome. Now
0: you've been doing this for the better part of the last 20 years. Um, how would you say your leadership styles evolved over that time, Tom? Well,
1: it, you know, like I said, when I when I first became a manager, I, I thought I had to have every answer, and uh, you know, I think I think that's, I think that's uh, pretty common. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, that that would be, you know, and fast forward to the uh, the advice question at the end. That that, uh, that that's not how you do it. Uh, but uh, but but for me, you know, I I think the the way that it's evolved is uh, is kind of i guess in my early years i was i was very quick to uh to to, to raise my hand I, I probably still am uh but mm-hmm. uh, but but i was also uh very quick to to speak to to share my thoughts mm-hmm. to uh to, to direct the conversation and i think as uh, as i've evolved and uh you know kind of gotten gotten better at this thing um I, i've learned to ask more questions mm-hmm. to uh to, to be you know hopefully the last one to speak not not the first I, I, uh, I tend to, to collect perspective, to, to collect input uh, b- before uh, sharing thoughts. And I, I think that that's that's important. Uh, you know, le- leadership, um, you know, you got to you got to bring in all the data points. You got to listen. You got to got to get all the, the different aspects uh, b- before uh, any decisions. I, I think w- without listening and, and knowing, uh, you know, the, the thoughts of your team, you uh, you're going to pick the the wrong uh, wrong direction. So it, it really is about listening, surrounding yourself with with great people, trusting them, letting them do their job, and uh, and making sure that that we uh, we stay pointed in the right direction. Yeah. yeah,
0: give us kind of an overview description of, of Living Well Disability Services and, and the company culture. If if you had to kind of boil it down to, you know, what you folks are all about, what what would that statement be or your mission statement?
1: You know, our our vision statement for uh, for the organization is a. Uh, we, we strive for a day when, uh, when when folks who are impacted by disabilities and our staff live well mm-hmm. and I, I think that that sums it up really well you know it, it, uh, it it's it's about uh, us, us chasing down um, you know first defining what living well, well means, what means. yeah and respect, that could be right? different I suppose you know, for
0: each of the people exactly spirit. yeah yeah.
1: You know, if, if we're doing it right, it, it should look different, right? I mean, you, you and I uh, have, have different goals. We have different interests, probably Ooh. different favorite foods or, or whatever that might be. So so the first thing is just to have that conversation, right, with, with the people that we serve, with the, the employees that we have. Uh, we, we need to define what it means for them. And then we need to tailor our support and, and our, our leadership and, and all that to, to make sure that we're uh, helping drive that forward. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, I think the most important part is, uh, you know, once we've done that, you start over, you ask the question again, because it's going to change, <laughs> it's going to you change. Know, if, if you had have yeah, right. 10, 10, 10, years ago, I'd have really different, uh, really different thoughts than I do now. And, and hopefully I'll have really different thoughts in 10 years, because we're all changing. Yeah, Fantastic.
0: And, and, gosh, you know, it's just, it, you know, being in the recruiting world and, and just thinking about your world and we've done a little bit of nonprofit over the years, but you know, it's maybe five or 10% of the business. It's gotta be so hard to find those folks. Probably even more so than, you know, in a kind of a corporate job where it's just a, you know, defined as a sales manager or an accountant, you know, ha- how do you kind of get at the questions that you ask, Tom, in terms of kind of de- determining who the kind of people are that should be joining your organization?
1: So so what kind of questions do I yeah. ask when I'm interviewing? Yeah, that- exactly. Okay, yeah. to, so, to really kind of get underneath
0: how- the surface of that, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, so the the first thing I always ask uh, people when when they're coming to interview with me, and and uh, you know, I, I guess first, you know, I I have the the benefit of of uh, not having to to check uh, you know resumes or you know, I, I assume that people have the skills if, if they've exactly. made it Continue. to a, an interview right. with me, right. right? So so you know that that's a benefit. But the, the first thing I ask people to do is is to tell me a story, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I I just say you know tell tell me a story about something you're proud of. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't say it has to be work or it has to be family. I, I but you know, the, the first thing I learn uh, about somebody by, by saying that is, uh, you know, it's kind of a statement of priority. What are sure. they going to tell the story about? Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, you, you, also see, uh, you learn a lot from people, uh, when you ask them to tell a story, you know, how, how can they spin a yarn, you know, do, do, can, can they, can they pull you in? Can, can they engage you those types of things? And, uh you know, so I, I learned a lot about that. And, and then, um, you know, I, I, also ask people a lot about, uh, you know, the, the way that they, they do their work, the way that they make decisions. I like to ask people how they know when they're right or when they have the right answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's an interesting question. And, and if, if they give me too short of an answer or they're too sure in the way that they find out that they're right, uh, I like to push back. Yeah, you know, it's, it, it, uh, it, it's something that, uh, you know, ideally somebody would answer that question by saying, you know, they, they've, they've shopped it around to, to some colleagues. They've, uh, they've bounced it off of people. You know, they, we, we, we can't be right uh, by ourselves. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of run the, the gauntlet before you, you know, that you have a, a good and working solution. So, you know, I, I like to get insight into that. And, and then the, the other thing that I, I often ask people to do is actually do a bit of a work simulation. So yeah. I, I would have people uh, you know, commonly I'll, I'll have them pick a topic that's important in, in their uh, part of, of our, our work and uh, present a, about it, why, why it impacts uh, our work, why it's important, what we should do about it as an industry or as an agency. Uh, kind of like a case just study, again, so to, did, just, do, they, do
0: they, you prep them yeah. beforehand or is that something you would do in the interview situation?
1: No, I I, uh, I typically and, and uh, I've gotten some eye rolls from people over the years that, you know, wow, you're really going to make them do this. Uh, <laughs> but I, I like to uh, yeah, I, I like to give them a, a bit of homework, yeah. give them a, a few days to go through it. You know, offer them if, if they're internal or even uh, sometimes if they're external to offer them the resources of our organization. You know, you can talk to our finance folks, talk yeah. talk to our billing folks, whatever you need um, and and see what they come up with. But again, it's about, you know, did they use those resources? Did they, did they tap into the network that that we provided them? Did they increase their perspective? Um, that, that really tells us a lot about how people then are going to go about their work. And, um, you know, I, I think it's important. Everybody can answer a question. Well, Uh, you know, again, by the time they're meeting with me, they've, They've answered some questions well. So, you know, I, I like to, to get get off the page and, and see how people work. Right. Uh, the case
0: study si- situation is great. We're going through a CHRO search for a large retailer down in the Southeast. And, you know, we have down to the final candidates and we're going through case studies. And, and it's so interesting to see how some folks, and, and, you know, and again, same sort of situation. We're providing as much data as we can. There, you know, there's a lot of information you can go to and how some folks just skim you know, and, and don't even bother mm-hmm. to, you know, address the data they've been given or ask for any more and kind of do a cookie cutter approach and pull a template from somewhere mm-hmm. else. And then others that will come back with 15 questions, you know, on top of the data and want to know more and really start to dig. And, yeah. you know, and, and even before you see the presentation, you've got kind of a feeling for, well, I, I kind of like this person, you know, and she's, she's exactly. getting into it a little yep. deeper than what we expected. I'm sure you see some of that yeah. as well.
1: We do yeah, yeah. yeah. it's uh it, it you know people tend to to make the decision easy by by the time you've gone through a process like that it, it's it's often pretty clear who who the who the right person is uh-huh. for the job and right. it, you know to, to your point it, it's not always about getting the right answer yeah. it's about using the right process right. how did you make people feel while you went through it yeah. Th- those yeah. types of things
0: yeah and the ideas that they come up with how's retention yeah. in the industry tom do you, are you able to keep the people that you come on and hire you know do you have a, a high level of turnover you know vis-a-vis either other nonprofits or the you know the profit driven world tell us a little bit about that
1: you know, turnover has always been a struggle for our, our industry. I I said earlier, you know, we, we get a lot of great people who come to our industry. Many of those folks leave, you know, we're, we're kind of a a stepping stone type of a a type of an industry. So on the one hand, we're, we're thrilled to have great people as long as we can have them. But, uh, those transitions, especially for the folks that we serve are, are incredibly difficult. You know, imagine living in, in a group home and having, you know, 30 different staff over the course of a year come in and, and, you know, go through some pretty intimate stuff with it. You. you know, it, yeah. it, uh, it's tough to have a, a lasting relationship when, when turnover is high. So, mm. so that's always been a struggle for our industry. Uh, you know, for living well, it's, it's better than most, uh, to, to be fair. I, uh, I, I take, uh, you know, good, good pride in the, in the fact that we have so many long-term, uh, staff, uh, many sense. who have been with us, you know, 20 or more years, but, yeah. You know right now the the challenge especially uh, with, with the, uh, the the pay and, and just worker shortage in general um, you know the the people making it to one year of, of uh, tenure is uh, is is lower probably than it's ever been and, and so that really is a struggle for us right now
0: what do you think the, the real wow is or the you know the, the thing about uh, living well that that has kept people there that's kept that retention rate high
1: you know, I, I think it's about the the focus on our people, the the relationships. We we really do in, invest in in our employees, their wellness, their their well being. And you uh, know, we, we just came through a, a strategic planning session, and and out of that, our our top uh, top two strategies are, are really about taking care of our employees, mm. uh, connecting with them, making sure that that we're building a relationship that's fruitful both while they're at work and while they're not. We we want to support the whole person and, and make sure that. When people come to work, they know that they're they're working with a partner, uh, that uh, that they're they're cared for, and and uh, you know we're we're interested in in their success as well. And so I I think that that's that's always been a part of who we are. Um, you know our. Our recent uh, planning session kind of helped us put that on paper and say it really overtly and, and kind of shout it from the rooftops, but that, that's always who we've been. And I, I think that's that's what's helped us over the years. Yeah,
0: Awesome. Well, Tom, we're just about out of time, but you know what the last question is. <laughs> a lot of our audience out there, of course, many of the folks are looking at their careers and trying to figure out where to go. You know, what career and life advice would you give to someone who maybe has their eye on the corner office, wants to be an ED somewhere in a nonprofit, um, but, you know, maybe doesn't know exactly how to get there. What, what, what would your uh, takeaway points be?
1: You know, I, I think the biggest thing for, for me is, is to always be curious. Mm. Um, you know, it ne- never be the smartest person in the room. And, and if you are, get out. Uh, you know, so, so that, <laughs> You're so that, in the wrong room. That's, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so so that's, that's important. Be curious. Uh, you know, focus on relationships, focus on collaboration, um, that's the stuff that, uh, that, that, gets you through the hard times, Ma- making sure that, uh, that, that, you're with a group of people and you, and you're doing work that, uh, you know, you, you want to, you want to stay connected to, and, and you want to go through, uh, what, whatever the challenges are, you want to go through that with, with that team. Yeah. You know, so, so building those relationships, having, having the right people, um, th- that's, that's really what it's all about. So lead, lead with empathy, lead with curiosity, the rest will figure itself yeah. out.
0: Well, Tom um, Klesby. Uh, chief executive officer at Living Well Disability Services. Thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. And thank you so much for the work you're doing.
1: Thank you, Brant. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you wanna hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroy.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.